Welcome to episode 13 of the Half Point Per Podcast. I'm your host, Evan Riggs, joined as always by my co-host, Dalton Willie, and producer, Johnny Fan. Johnny was missing over the weekend, but he has moved in. Johnny, I, I would like to know how you're feeling about your move that we'll just say it spanned multiple states. We won't get any more specific than that. Uh, it was it was fun uh, moving a U-Haul with a car towed to the back of it. Not the uh, not the safest trip, but <laughs> we made it here after uh, about I think fourteen hours. Oh my god! Oh my god. So that was a uh, very stressful. Lots of lots lots of gas money spent on that, but we we are here and almost settled in. Good, glad to hear it, Dalton. Um, Josh Jacobs is on pace for 64 catches and 48 touchdowns. How are you after a great week one? Well, it's funny you bring up Josh Jacobs and not Odell Beckham Jr., who was on pace for about 150 yards. While my he's, boy, he, Juju, he's on pace for 160 targets, though. That volume is there. Oh, man. Uh, other than that, I'm doing good. Week one is in the books, and my rookie running backs have hit. CEH and Jonathan Taylor have really returned some value to me, so I'm having a good, good start to the season. Doing some really, really early season victory laps on the Yeah, yeah. Um, again, you can subscribe to our newsletter. Uh, that is halfpointperpod.substack.com. The link will be in the show notes, as always. Uh, on this Tuesday, which is when we are recording this, Dalton put out his uh, waiver wire guys. Obviously, we won't talk about them on this pod because by the time this goes, most waiver wires run uh, Tuesday night, Wednesday morning. So, But just know to look for that every week. And then probably not this week, but a lot of weeks there will be a second newsletter um, as well with some bonus content. It'll depend on what's going on that week. But Dalton, unfortunately, as great as week one was, as great as it was to watch Red Zone for a whole day again and do nothing, um, we have a lot of injuries to at least run, run through. Uh, I guess the first place we'll start is, is Le'Veon Bell. On the IR at least three weeks, there was nothing wrong with the hamstring, and now he's on the IR with a hamstring. Don't know if that's exactly connected or not, if that's all the same injury, but no bell for at least three weeks. Uh, do you make anything of that? Do you, do you care about anybody in that backfield at this point? Uh, I certainly wouldn't waste either the relevancy of my waiver pickup on a guy in that backfield or any fab. If anything, I kind of like the idea of a flyer on the Michael P. Ryan. I don't really like Josh Adams as the back there. Um, but but Adam, Adam, Adam Gase got his guy, Kalen Bellage. Kalen Bellage. No, but if Le'Veon Bell can't produce in that offense at the backfield, I don't really think anybody can. As a whole, the Jets just look to be really disgusting and might actually have the worst record of the NFL. Yeah, I mean, again, it's only week one. So what, what we're going to do, what I should say, is we're going to try not to – overreact too much to week one because we know there there is some fluky stuff that happens week one it's such a small sample and also just first game of the year weird stuff happens i mean obviously tj hawkinson everybody remembers his big big week one last year and then even when he was healthy he wasn't great after that but he was also pretty banged up for most of the rest of the year yeah. so some of us overreacted but, some of yeah. us so yeah, and I guess to that note, I should have mentioned this at the beginning. What we're gonna get to later on in the show, we're gonna do um, a stock report. We're gonna have a couple guys who you know their stock is up, a couple guys whose stocks are down um, after one week. And this isn't us telling you go out and trade for that guy or you gotta sell on that guy. This is just um, if that guy was a second round pick in drafts. If you redrafted today, maybe he's a third round pick or an early fourth round pick. Like that's really 
what we're saying here, unless Dalton way overreacts more than me. But I guess that's what I'm saying here at, at, as of right now, Dalton. Um, if I'm overreacting, you'll know it. We'll get to those. <laughs> there might be a few here and there. Okay. Well, um, unfortunately, another another pretty sad one where it's going to be a little hard not to overreact given what happened last year with a certain high pick that had a high ankle sprain in Saquon Barkley. Michael Thomas has the high ankle sprain. They kind of acted like it wasn't going to be very serious, that he wouldn't miss very much time. But now it's come out that they expect him to miss several weeks. Um, Traquan Smith and Emmanuel Sanders are kind of the two guys that I think people are concerned with for fantasy purposes. I, I think you're probably starting both of those guys, right? On on most teams or on a lot of teams. I don't know about Traquan Smith. To be honest, I think Jared Cook probably has the the bigger volume out of the loss of that. I will say Matthew Barry had a pretty informative tweet earlier. Uh, last week, Emmanuel Sanders led all wide receivers in red zone targets, and that number probably projects to go up without Michael Thomas there. He moves into that elite a wide receiver one role that Michael Thomas occupies, where he's probably going to be running those high target routes that he gets in the slant game. Um, but I think Jared Cook probably profiles to get a lot more, and I think Alvin Kamara owners can be happy. He might be playing out of the slot a little more often. Mm-hmm. Um Traquan Smith, I don't know. Last year, I bought into him so hard, and it, it kind of burned me a little bit, so I might have some bias on that. But he's also just a deep threat, and I didn't see Breeze with a good arm in that game. Not well, to overreact. Sure, yeah. I mean, Breeze, Breeze is kind of a new alarm at this point anyway. I think we knew that coming into the season. But I would say that I would definitely take Sanders over Smith uh, if you're just talking about those two guys. But And Smith... You don't have you probably I mean you definitely don't have to start him this week because it's so early in the season. You definitely have other guys that you probably feel better about or more secure about. But I, I think if you pick him up, you can wait a week. But it, I I think it's a pretty easy for me to see him turning into a a guy who you feel good about starting every week as opposed to you know before he was. I mean he's like the ultimate high upside flyer guy basically. Um, Devonte Parker has the hamstring issue. We knew that going in to week one and Dalton that obviously played out um, in, in front of us a little bit last week. Yeah. Well, you and I talked about it. Uh, you know, he left the game with the hamstring injury. He's questionable for the next week. The, the issue here is that it's a soft tissue injury and we know those can be lingering. Same thing affecting Miles Sanders. who didn't even travel with the Eagles. Uh, I will say Preston Williams stock is going up. Uh, I know he didn't have a great game. He only had two catches for 41 yards. But if you were watching the game, there was one point on a pass interference call where Preston Williams was on the ground and reached up and almost caught the ball anyways. Uh, The guy's just a talent. But no, this is sad. I think Devontae Parker might be off to a rough start to the season, and this could take a couple more weeks before he's back at full health. Yep, absolutely. Um, Marlon Mack, uh, torn Achilles, obviously a a very unfortunate injury just um, from a real-life perspective. He was on the verge of probably not a huge payday, but a bigger payday than what he's getting right now. So that so that's unfortunate for him. And then obviously Jonathan Taylor and Naheem Hines, those are the two guys that are the main benefactors. And Jonathan Taylor pretty much didn't even play a snap until Matt got hurt. So at least early on it was it was Matt's job um for the time being. Now obviously that has flipped and obviously Taylor is probably a top twelve guy at this point. Yeah, you want to talk about the highs and the lows? Just watching Naheem Hines get more touches than Jonathan Taylor <laughs> for an entire quarter. He and was then, the red zone guy. Yeah, and then Marlon Mack stepping out of the game with the injury. Uh, obviously, I'd never root for that to happen to a player, but it certainly 
benefited me in the long term since I have so many shares of Jonathan Taylor, and now we get to see him unleashed next week. Mm-hmm. Um, we can go real quick through these guys, and Dalton, you can stop me if you have anything to say on on any of these guys because we we know a, a lot less. I feel like about these as of now. George Kittle has the knee sprain. Uh, we all saw the play where Garoppolo kind of set him up to get hurt with the high throw and got hit low, but I think it was Buda Baker um, on that bubble screen. 49ers are cautiously optimistic. Shanahan has said that he plays versus the Jets. or And maybe it wasn't Shanahan. Maybe that was just a report. Um, so we'll see there. Obviously, I guess Jordan Reed is a guy that if you have Kittle and you're waiting to the last minute, maybe you can pick up Reed if Kittle does not play. Kittle plays, you're starting him. Uh, James Conner had the ankle issue. I-, I think everybody thought that he was just benched uh, for Benny Snell. Turned out to be an ankle this is obviously the concern with Connor is that he just can't stay healthy. Um, Adam Schefter is reporting that they are optimistic for a timely return. Uh, Tomlin has said they're going to, quote, leave the light on for Connor for week two. So uh, a little bit of a nice, uh, is it Motel 8 or Motel 6? I can't remember which is the. Motel 8. <laughs> Motel 8 is the leave the light on. So nice, nice little touch there. Philip Lindsay has turf toe. He's week to week. You're probably not starting him anyway. Boston Scott, we don't really know what happened to him just that he left the game obviously a chance that miles sanders doesn't play again this week we don't really know but i mean we, we don't feel great about starting boston scott even if sanders doesn't play probably at this point right dalton yeah and we'll probably get to it later but that entire eagles offense uh some big question marks going into week two mm-hmm. and then a couple tight ends blake jarwin season ending acl tear and then david and joku is back on the ir after a week of play just like last year, which is too bad because he's a talented guy, but he, he just can't seem to stay healthy. Yeah, and that one was sad because David Njoku actually looked like the tight end we thought he was going to be two years mm-hmm. ago. I mean, I think he was outplaying Austin Hooper in snaps, and he had some great red zone targets too. So it, all in all, um, that one was probably one of the tougher. He'll be back in four or three to four weeks, hopefully. But yeah, Connor Jar- mm-hmm. Blake Jarwin again. uh that was a fantasy fantasy superstar in the making who we're not going to get to see. Yeah, okay. All right. Um, we will touch on the stock report, guys, who we are higher on after week one and a little bit lower on after week one after this quick break. John is going to like add that to the end of the podcast at the outro. I won't now. <laughs> <laughs> and welcome back. And as I mentioned before the break, we are into the stock report. Dalton, um, Let's start with the positive first, uh, start off on a high note. Who is the first guy that you are feeling ever so slightly better about after week one than in draft season? Well, and I talked about him in our quarterbacks podcast episode one, and I said, and I quote, he might be washed up. His name is Aaron Rodgers, who had an absolutely phenomenal game. I will say that the Vikings defense is very suspect at this it, point. It looks bad. Um, but... Per pro football focus, he had six big-time throws, which led the NFL for that week, which I was surprised that beat out Russell Wilson. He had a 96 PFF grade, which was the highest of the week. And most importantly, he had an 86.8% accurate pass rate, which is actually just incredible to think. I mean, last season, one of the big reasons people shied away from Aaron Rodgers is his intermediate throws were very inaccurate. It wasn't what we saw. Um, And he also had the third highest graded week one that PFF has ever recorded. Uh, Now, I do think some of that has to do with the Vikings, but overall his receiving core and Aaron Rodgers look to be in sync. 
Uh, I was pretty happy with what I saw. I think that both MVS and Alan Lazard are being utilized in a way that's exciting. Uh, and most importantly, Aaron Rodgers looks like, you know, closer to three years ago, what he was that elite quarterback. Who's really fun to watch. He breaks out of the pocket. That touchdown pass to Devonte Adams on the sideline was a great throw. Uh, yep. so he, my stock up's definitely on, on him. I'll be watching that green Bay offense to see if they're a little better this year. Yeah. And I think a big reason why a lot of people, you know, not me, I actually had Rodgers ranked pretty high, but a lot of people shied away from Rodgers was everyone just kind of assumed that they're going to be run heavy again. Like they, you know, that like they were last year. And I don't know. I'm not, I'm not saying this is what he's going to be. He's going to be like a top five quarterback the rest of the year, but I'm not surprised that we're getting a better Aaron Rodgers than people expected. And a guy that can still be, used for fantasy and quite frankly he would have had a better week one if mvs could actually catch the ball he had like two or three drops uh, including another he could have had two long touchdowns if he wouldn't have dropped <laughs> dropped another so the guy can't catch it he's still um still had a long touchdown and rogers still had a great day so i mean yeah i i'm with you there on rogers um if he wasn't somebody that i felt pretty good about before the draft he, he would have been on this list for sure because it was just a flat out impressive performance and it was nice to see them just kind of air it out a little bit and and let Rodgers kind of go to work. It was. And I mean, if you have the opportunity, if anybody's down on Devontae Adams, I don't think that's the case, but maybe no, Aaron Jones. I, I think if you're buying Devontae Adams, you are paying right now. You're paying a lot. But I think Aaron Jones, there was some concern with the way he was utilized. I still think that he's going to have some great opportunity in offense. Um, he was split out wide, wide a couple times. So if you get the shot to maybe get a buy low in the next couple of weeks, Aaron Jones might be a guy I'd like to have. AJ Dillon wasn't even there to be heard of. Yeah, I, I do think that this did kind of show um, it, it, his limit. It was a reminder of his limitations a little bit, though, because it really was like a full blown rotation with him and Jamal Williams pretty much all game. And that's what it was last year until Jamal Williams got hurt. So you're going to always have that. Jamal Williams is going to always be used more than you'd like. But obviously, yeah, I, I'm with you. Jones is is a great player, and he he's definitely a, one of the, the running backs you feel good about, which are few and far between already. They were before the draft and even more so now in, early in this fantasy football season for sure. Yeah, and I mean, outside of that, he I know he dropped a couple balls. We talked about it, and you if you read the waiver wire column, I do have MVS as a guy that I might be targeting. Yeah, um, for sure. If you get Aaron Rodgers, who can throw that perfect deep ball, probably third in the league behind Wilson and Mahomes, you you want the guy getting those deep throws, and it might yeah, be and he he he's definitely their fastest receiver, and he he was more involved than than Lazard. I, I think there's maybe a little bit of concern there for him because I think we all kind of thought he'd be the second guy, and that might be a little bit more up for debate now than than anybody would have expected. Yeah, um, Lazard's usage was a little concerning. He did have that really nice sweep, though. Mm -hmm. uh, they're definitely using their receivers uh, more effective than I thought, and I think it goes to show that maybe we were too quick to judge their draft. Maybe they weren't as in need of weapons as we well, thought. Well, I do, I do think they were still in need, but maybe their whole draft strategy was we're just going to piss Aaron Rodgers off, and he'll come out and want to play really well to start well, I, the season. I know he's a listener of the pod, and I know he heard us <laughs> call him washed. Uh, so You. You, <laughs> I still the best throw of the entire NFL season last year was in Arrowhead. That throw he made to the back to the back corner of the end zone. That man was never washed. Uh, like I said, we both declared that, Aaron. We're sorry <laughs> you came out and played angry. I think you should just keep it up all season as a guy who's invested in Devonte Adams. There you go. I'm gonna stick with the same position for my first guy for stock up, and and it's Cam Newton. I mean, Cam Newton, week one, 
15 of 19, you like that. 155 yards, not great, but you don't expect them to come out slinging in week one, no matter who they're playing, I don't think. Uh, what you do love is 15 carries, 75 yards and two touchdowns. And if you watched it, it wasn't like they weren't all, most of them weren't scrambles. Most of them were read options or just straight up like QB power plays. Like he has been running his whole career, including clear back at Auburn. He's not going to rush for two touchdowns every week, of course. But at the same time, you get in the red zone. And what, what they did twice is they basically lined up three receivers on the, on the opposite side, ran can to the, to the side with nobody over there, just let him go to work. I mean, I think that's going to be a, a big part of their red zone scheme. And I, I, I don't remember who made this point, but some fantasy guy I read recently made the point that he is kind of the Gronk replacement in the red zone. Just as far as like being the main red zone guy. And I, I hadn't really thought of it that way, but I can see that line of thinking and just the rushing is all kinds of encouraging. And to me, he was somebody who I was taking shots on if I could late in drafts. But now I think he's definitely a locked in top 10 guy every week until he gets hurt, basically. Yeah, uh, I think that Cam Newton looked great from a passing perspective. I think that there were some people who thought he didn't look the best, but I, I think they're forgetting and they're remiss that Tom Brady couldn't do a lot with the same offensive weapons that they have. I mean, Demir Bird, who has been a career journeyman, has never played full snaps, was the guy that led the team in snap percentage. He's not a receiver you want to be your wide receiver one. Uh, Nikhil Harry looked good in spurts. And then Julian Edelman was just Julian Edelman still catching out of the middle of the slot. But Cam Newton was really the one getting it done. He had an overthrow here and there, but they also weren't asking him to do things that weren't in his skill set, which mm -hmm. is something you really like to see for your quarterback. <laughs> and then obviously the rushing upside there is incredible. It really looks like they don't care who's running the balls running back and that they're playing fullback for Cam Newton in the red zone. And that's where a lot of upside can be found in fantasy football. Uh, I think the Dolphins are sneaky good on defense. They're not as bad as some people thought, and I thought that that was a quality win by the Patriots and that they're going to slow the game down and they're going to let Cam Newton take over. Uh, so all in all, if you see him on your waivers this week, he's probably a guy I might be reaching for if I'm not as confident in my quarterback. If you have somebody like Baker Mayfield, who you took late in drafts, who you're just oh, oh, Even like Carson Wentz. Yeah, Carson Wentz is another guy that I definitely uh, I'd be dropping this this week if I had the opportunity to have someone like Cam Newton over him mm -hmm. for sure. And the the thing I'd say about his passing is, yeah, it, it was it wasn't like great. Fifteen of nineteen, one fifty five, like that's pretty pedestrian. But he showed some nice chemistry with Edelman in the second half. That they made a couple nice plays. He would have had a passing touchdown probably, but Nikhil Harry fumbled through the end zone for a touchback on like the one inch line when he was trying to to stretch it out and get in. So they also had that. And I mean, if he doesn't fumble and he gets tackled short, maybe Newton has three rushing touchdowns. I mean, he's probably either getting a passing touchdown or a rushing touchdown right there with the way that game was going. And I would also expect that teams are going to start stacking the box a lot more um, in the red zone on some of those runs where they line up the three wide and run him the opposite way. And, you know, when they do that, that's where some of the passing touchdowns might come to. So I just think that he is a, uh, a pretty locked and loaded safe top 10 guy right now. Yeah, and he looks healthy, which was the biggest concern that, coming in. That, that's the biggest thing. He looked healthy. The one touchdown run he had where he um, got to the edge, uh, beat beat the defense to the pylon. I mean, that looked like vintage cam. Yeah, and 
you know, and you love this in your players, but he looked legitimately excited to be on the field. Uh, it looks like he likes Josh McDaniels in that offense. And I know that doesn't seem like a big deal, but if your quarterback's feeling the team he's in, uh, the coach he has, you're just going to feel better. It looks like that they're really in sync in New England and that they're not going to miss a step from losing Tom Brady as far as that offense goes. Yeah, absolutely. All right, Dalton, who is your your second guy you're, you're stuck up on? Anybody who's listened to more than two episodes probably knows this one. I'm still on the train, and boy, did the train take off on Thursday Night Football. It's Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Uh, I mean, first of all, uh, this is probably a little under the radar since it was the Thursday night game, but he leads the NFL in rushing yards right now, which is well, just I, exciting. I, I, th- I think his yards after contact would also lead the NFL in rushing yards. Hey, you're stealing my thunder, Riggs. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> because his yards after contact also leads the NFL. Um, you know, the game started out with Clyde to Edwards. To be clear, it does, he, he not only leads the NFL in yards after contact, if you just gave his total rushing yards, his yards after contact, he'd be the leading rusher in the NFL, if that makes sense. Correct. And he started off splitting duties with Daryl Williams, which is a little, you know, it was a little scary. But the second half, it looked like whatever happened in that locker room, Andy Reid and the Chiefs believed in him. He leads the NFL in red zone touches with 10 already. I know he didn't get into the red zone. Uh, <laughs> that was tough to watch as somebody who had also bet the over. But all in all, that was incredibly exciting. Um, I don't... I don't really like the idea of him running the ball 25 times a game as a Chiefs fan. I think that's due to change. I also don't think we got to see him in the part of the game he's most successful, which is the passing game. The Chiefs didn't really get the opportunity to involve him as much. He ran a lot of routes. He didn't get targeted. Uh, There was one play in the red zone where Zach Cunningham blew up what was clearly going to be a pass play to Clyde Edwards-Hilaire for a touchdown. One of the Chiefs vintage Mahomes rolls out to the left side and throws it to the quarterback. Um, his involvement is exciting. Yeah, that, that, that was one where Demarcus Robinson dropped the pass, right? It was, yeah. One uh, of the two. His involvement in this offense is exciting. The offense itself is still exciting. It still has all the weapons. And it looks like when the Chiefs are leading, they're going to be okay throwing the ball or running the ball. Uh, and the offensive line looks like they can get it done. And then just most importantly, uh, Mahomes still had the ninth highest neutral pass rate in the NFL last week, which is really high. I think this is still an offense that throws the ball and is going to just put up monstrous amount of points. They were like the fourth or fifth highest offense uh, as far as points scored in week one. And the game didn't even feel like the Chiefs were unleashing all their weapons. So full steam ahead, Clyde Edwards Hilaire looks like the real deal. I don't know how you feel, Evan, if you want to like throw some water on this fire, but this is probably the closest overreaction we're going to get tonight. Well, I think he looks like the real deal. I, I'm not, I, I'm not feeling much differently about him than I did before the season, which is I think he's a top top seven guy, top eight guy, and I, and I still think that. Well, I'd say about the red zone stuff is I don't know how many guys in the league would have scored, if any, really would have scored in those situations. That to me was more the Texans' defensive line stepping up and beating the Chiefs' offensive line than. You know, CEH, I will say he doesn't really profile as a guy that is going to be some highly efficient goal line guy. I don't think he's really ever going to be that. He's, I mean, he, he's strong. He, he's got strong legs. He's tough to bring down, but he's not, he's not a big guy, you know. So I would never expect him to be great at that. But better days are probably ahead there. I mean, he had the, everyone probably remembers the play where he made J.J. Watt miss and then just got pancaked, just <laughs> driven into the ground by whoever the next defensive lineman was. I mean, no one's going to score on those plays but and also what i would say about the amount of carries that is almost certainly going to go down what it almost felt like to me was the chiefs play the ravens in week three 
got a comfortable lead. We're not really going to show a whole lot in this game. This is going to be real bread and butter. It, it, I agree with you. That really just felt like the Chiefs were, it, it, it was almost like a preseason like kind of offense they were running for a lot of that game to me. Well, and I will give some credit. The Texans did come out with some interesting defensive packages. Uh, they Mike, were doing everything they could to keep the Chiefs from going over the top. Yeah, Mike Clay had an interesting podcast on ESPN where he kind of talked about some of the packages they used were used under 3% in the NFL last season. And I think that did throw off Mahomes primarily. And instead of really running out the full playbook, Andy Reid just beat him at fundamentals because I think the Chiefs are a more talented team in about every aspect when you match the offense up to the defense. So I agree with you. You know, next week they see the Chargers, who I don't know. I'm not going to say they're a trap game. The Chiefs are looking ahead, but they're not another team that the Chiefs have to roll out the playbook. And then you play, you know, the AFC contender week three, the one team that you probably are going to see in the championship. I mean, that legitimately could decide home field. I mean, obviously it's a long season, but it you could very easily look back in week 16 and the winner of that game is the team who's going to get home field. Yeah. And the last thing I'll say just for anybody else who owns Edward Hilaire, I don't think you want him getting 25 rushes a game. I no. think anywhere between 15 and 18 quality touches are better than that. I mean, there were some, there were just some plays where you didn't want to run the ball. JJ Watt is coming down the middle and he's running an inside zone to the same side. Uh, you don't want those kind of touches regardless. You want the Chiefs offense to be scoring so many points that Edwards Hilaire just has a high variance to, to end the day with two or three touchdowns, which he very well could have last week. He could have really blown the game out of the water if he would have gotten the red zone two more times. <laughs> yeah, well, and like I say, he's not going to get that many carries, but he's definitely going to get more than zero receptions a lot of weeks. He'll probably have three, four, five receptions a lot of weeks. So with yeah. the carries going down, the receptions will go out, go up and probably kind of kind of balance out a little bit. I'm going to go with the guy from the same game, Dalton. Um, I think David Johnson looked pretty freaking good in, in week one. I mean, he looked like kind of like vintage David Johnson to me. I was a little surprised. I had to go back and look at our poll results, but I was a little surprised that people came away with CEH as the top story of that game because he looked good, and I know it was the first time seeing him, but it was about what I expected. I didn't really know what to expect out of David Johnson. Like It wouldn't have surprised me if he just looked done, like just completely toast, but 11 carries, 77 yards, one touchdown. The jump cut looked good. He was laterally quick. You know, A couple catches, three for 32. The burst, the decisiveness, like it just all looked like it was there. I know there had been some talk that the year before in Kingsbury's uh, kind of college style spread offense that it just wasn't really a good fit for David Johnson. He was doing more thinking than running. And this looked like a guy who number one was healthy, number two was just was just playing. He wasn't having to think about okay, I need to do this, you know, this play I have to do this. It was just it was natural and. Duke Johnson being out now with a sprained ankle for we don't know how long. That's a little bit of an added bonus, too. The big question with David Johnson at this point is always going to be the health. He was out of the game for a couple of plays, getting the wrist looked at. And when you heard that, it was like, oh, God, like not again. But then the the Texans just traded in one D Johnson for another on the injury front. And Duke got hurt shortly after David Johnson was back in. If you can guarantee that you get like, 14 games where obviously not that production, but where he like, he looks like that. Like he's running like that. Like the cuts look like that. The elusiveness, decisiveness, like that's a guy that's probably a second round pick. If you redrafted it right now, I think. 
Yeah, uh, I called him a bust. So there's that. Just so we have that one in the ether. Well, he still could be. There's a long ways to go, and he 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 gets hurt a lot. But uh, go go ahead. Uh, I will say my concern still stands that when we initially talked about him is that his runs were up the middle, and I just don't think that that's where his success comes from. He was able to get good looks there. I also don't particularly think the Chiefs' run defense has improved over the last three years. Um, there were a couple of plays. Well, I don't know if it was him making the guy miss or if it was the Chiefs just not making their tackles. Uh, I do want to see more of him. I don't think next week is the good week for us to see more of him because it's the Ravens run defense who was able to take care of a much more talented Nick Chubb. I would say if I was a David Johnson owner, I would be feeling very positive about owning him right now Mm -hmm. because he did look better. His involvement was more successful. And most importantly, at this point, with no Duke Johnson, at least next week, he's going to see the the lion's share of the targets and carries in that offense, which is exciting. Well, and Bill O'Brien seems bound to determine to, to run the ball, too. So even if it may be at the detriment of his team, I think David Johnson is going to be a good volume play for a lot of this year until we are proven otherwise, basically. I do. Uh, hopefully that their defense can improve a little bit so that they can maybe stay in the games. But the Texans seem committed to run the ball when the Chiefs were up in the fourth quarter. So <laughs> you'll be getting those carries even if they're not sexy. Yeah, no, for sure. All right, Dalton, how about, how about two guys that we aren't feeling good about? I'm curious if we have one of the same. I think there's a pretty good chance we do. We may even have – I honestly think we might have the, the two same guys. So you you go for it first, and if we have the same first guy, I'll jump in too. Do we? Do you have any honorable mentions for stock up, or do you want to save those? We'll, we'll, we'll save those. I only did honorable mention – well – I didn't even really sort them. I'll, I'll just kind of go through and talk about a couple guys at the end. Okay. Um, so I actually don't think we have the same two guys because I want a little uh, contrarian here. My first guy is actually Cam Akers. And the reason for this is that Cam Akers, towards the end of last week before the NFL season start, was going in the early, late third, early first, fourth round of drafts around guys like Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf. And he does not have a red zone role in this offense. That seems very obviously been given to Malcolm Brown. Uh, He didn't look as good or effective as Malcolm Brown did in the running game. Malcolm, Definitely not. Yeah, he got out-touched by Malcolm Brown 16 to 18. And Daryl Henderson, who everybody said was going to be the RB2 in this offense, is coming back uh, in the next couple of weeks. And from what Sean McVay was saying to reporters after the game, Cam Akers seems like the prime uh, candidate to lose those duties. So overall, if I'm an owner of Cam Akers, I, I'm probably benching him next week just to see what the situation looks like. Uh, they do they have kind of a uh, negatively graded game against a good run defense in the Eagles. And overall, he wasn't involved in the receiving game as effectively as Malcolm Brown. Just all around, I don't know if Cam Akers is going to be the guy we wanted him to be this year. I don't know what your thoughts are on that. Well, I guess what I would say is I'm not very surprised. I mean, I'm a little surprised with Malcolm Brown actually looking like pretty good, but I'm not all that surprised with kind of how it played out because that's kind of what McVay had been prepping us for, right? Is that it's going to be a committee. You know, Malcolm Brown is going to be involved. I do expect Henderson to be involved um, probably as the pass catcher when he's back healthy. Um, we'll, we'll see what happens there. I'm kind of frozen with him on my on one of my current rosters right now, but going to go ahead and hold there. I, I can't find his success rate. I think JJ Zacharyson tweeted that at one point, but basically, oh, here we go. Malcolm Brown's success rate 
66.7%. Cam Akers, 14.3%. So that that's just the expected, expected points model um, from number fire. And I don't know. I, again, I think you just got to be patient with Cam Akers. If you drafted them, hopefully you drafted them realizing that you probably can't use them right away. And I do think eventually – um, a couple weeks down the road that the talent will kind of went out there and he'll be the top guy, never the guy there, I don't think, this year just because it doesn't seem like that's how it's going to play out there. But I'm not too concerned yet. But at the same time, I understand what you're saying. I definitely agree that he's not somebody I'm starting right now, but I would not have drafted him to be a starter in the first place. Yeah, and I agree with that. And it's more, uh, you know, I think people like the Fantasy Mansion pod uh, we're saying he's a fourth, third round talent. And I think that those people especially are going to be dealing with him in a starting situation where you don't want it. I'm not going to trade him. And certainly I wouldn't drop him if I owned him. I want to see how this plays out. It's just interesting to see that this is one of those situations where coach speak really came to be the truth. I mean, they're running a full blown committee. They're running it. the like the San Francisco 49ers, like uh, Kyle Shanahan runs that offense where they're letting their guys rotate duties. Uh, it's just that right now Cam Akers looks more akin to the Tevin Coleman role and Malcolm Brown really looks like he is locked in the Raheem Mostert role and he just was more eff- efficient. I don't know if the Cowboys were keying in on the run on Cam Akers or it was first game jitters, but he did not look as talented as he was at Florida State, which I'm certainly sure we'll at least see flashes of that come later in the season yeah i think it was still clear that like of those two guys like he's the one that's like actually fast like it was pretty easy to tell that he was the more explosive of the two players than malcolm brown brown's still kind of a a big plotter nobody's surprised there but yeah i i do agree that acres was pretty meh and brown was pretty good but at the same time it's one week um the rookies had basically very little camp no no offseason all that stuff we know that so i think you have to be willing to give it time on him but i definitely understand if you don't feel great about about him after after week one yeah and i mean that's about all i have to say here other than that i do just kind of a little note since we weren't able to talk about it It looks like the rams are back to 11 personnel they ran it about 70 percent of the time uh they ran 12 personnel about 19 percent of the time uh, that's just a, a note. If you're looking at who's more effective in what rushes, it looks like Malcolm Brown was more effective at 11 and cam was more effective at a 12. So just a little note, but Evan, who do you have as your first stock down? Yeah. Well, real quick on the Rams. If, uh, if you're looking for a volume play there, Robert Woods looks like a good one. They were getting him involved early and often trailed off a little bit, but Robert Woods Woods looked just like the guy everybody would have probably expected and hoped for if you drafted them. Uh, my first guy, I thought for sure you were going to have this guy. Maybe he's your second guy. Uh, Zach Ertz is my first stock down guy um, after week one. The stat line obviously is not good. Three for 18. He saved his day with a touchdown. He had a crushing drop in the fourth quarter on third down and another drop as well in the game. And more importantly, he was just thoroughly outplayed by his teammate, Dallas Goddard. Eight for 101, one touchdown. At the career high in receiving yards for Dallas Goddard, he led all tight ends in targets, catches, yards, yards after contact, and catches of 15 or more yards, and missed tackles forced. So the guy was just all around the best tight end in football in week one. The other concern is extension talks are pretty much extinct between Ertz and the Eagles at this point. Basically, Ertz came out and said before week one, 
he wants to be there for the rest of his career, but he's not sure that feeling is mutual. So this is less about Ertz. I mean, I think possibly Ertz could be eroding a little bit as a player and you don't like the the depth of target. All of that stuff is always going to favor Goddard, but when the volume is higher as well, that's an issue. So you have that. I think not that Ertz is not still usable. I think you can start both tight ends, but you don't feel as good about Ertz as a locked and loaded top four or five tight end, I, I think, as as before the season. And, and just uh, on that depth of target a little bit, 6.9 yards after catch per reception for Dallas Goddard. So he was making plays after the catch all game long. Zach Ertz was pretty much catching and falling down 1.2 yards after catch per reception for him. Yeah, um, I was a little prepared for this as a Dallas or as a Zach Ertz owner who also owns Dallas Goddard. Luckily, um, Zach Ertz looked like he was just in his same role, in my opinion, which he was last season, where he kind of was the guy running slot plays. Uh, he still had the the twelfth most routes per dropback. Uh, according to PFF, among tight ends. This is from Scott Barrett. Uh, additionally, what I found surprising is that Dallas Goddard was only on for the field for 62% of the snaps, so he was very efficient in his time there. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Eagles as a whole just don't look like they're going to be very efficient behind a bad offensive line. They can't really get things done. I will say that the Redskins probably have a top three or four defensive line in the NFL. Yeah, their D-line good. Yeah, and Chase Young was the Washington, fo- the Washington football team, to be clear. Yeah, the Washington football team, I apologize. Um, I'm not sounding the alarm bells, but if you drafted him as the tight end three, you might be sounding them. Mark Andrews definitely looks to be that guy. Um, it's tough for Zach Ertz because I think there's a high probability. I think there were some reports this morning that it's inevitable he gets traded at this point. And Zach Ertz has been the beneficiary of a offense that targets the tight end as much as talent um he's starting to look more akin to jason witten uh late in his career where he's a catch and fall down guy but he still has his efficient red zone upside um there were some pretty critical drops as well but also and this is still per scott barrett who had a little threat on him sunday afternoon uh dallas or zach Ertz was targeted the most when under when carson wentz was under pressure uh, so Carson Wentz still trusts him. I also think he was probably getting some of the elite, less efficient targets and the more uh, covered plays because the wide receiver core for the Eagles was just absolutely miserable. Uh, yeah, and, and it'll probably continue to be that way unless Alshon Jeffrey comes back and is good and is healthy. And obviously that is a major wait and see there as far as his play and health is concerned. And yeah, I think my concern is less with just Ertz and his role being a whole lot less. It's just more about like Dallas Goddard. We've, we've liked him for a while. Like even before he was playing much at all, I think everybody, the consensus was kind of like, if that guy was on a team where he was the guy, like that's the next man up at tight end, like that guy right there. And I don't know. I just worry that maybe Goddard could kind of become undeniable a little bit in that offense. And he might, demand more volume than Zach Ertz. We'll see. Yeah. The the only other note I have on that is just due to lack of playmakers. I do think that both guys could thrive effectively in this offense. I will be interested to see what Peterson does because 
any rational coach would be putting their tight ends in more blocking formations, uh, which is going to be a bigger hurt, in my opinion, to Zach Ertz than Dallas Goddard. I think Dallas Goddard has more playmaking potential uh, in the X or Y position as a receiver than Zach Ertz does. Uh, so that's something to monitor. Also, if they can get one of their tackles or guards back, they might be in a better situation come next week. Um, but the Eagles are an offense I'm watching pretty closely. This is a crazy stat. Just I'm, I'm, I wanted to talk about this, and this gives me a good opening. Deshaun Jackson had 214 air yards in that game, which is absolutely absurd considering his final stat line was horrible. He is still getting treated like he's a deep threat. Uh, I just couldn't believe that because he only ended up with like 40 or 50 yards in the game. He's not very good at football. Um, Deshaun Jackson kind of stinks. Yeah, well, he said he's going to be there and involved more if you follow his Twitter at all. So we'll see. Yeah, yeah, we'll see about that. Sorry, I had to mute my mic. My wife came over and handed me a spicy chicken nugget from McDonald's. Those things are pretty spicy. That was the first one I've ever had. They're 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 a little spicy. Ooh, McDonald's are they, are they spicier than Wendy's? I've never had Wendy's, but they're 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 a little spicy. Caught me a little off guard. Mm, McDonald's, if you are listening, we are open to <laughs> any advertisements. <laughs> we certainly are all right that was my number one dalton so who is your final guy for stock down this might be a little bit of a victory lap and a little early that i put him on here uh but i also watched the game very intently for this player it's rob gronkowski um let me just say if you draft if you draft rob gronkowski in a draft this year you are a donkey of a fantasy football player <laughs> And that game proved all of it. In a game where they were bereft of playmakers, he <laughs> narrowly edged out OJ Howard in routes run 21 to 19. But when OJ Howard was on the field, Tom Brady targeted him like a monster. 31.6% target rate on routes run for OJ Howard. That's number one at the tight end position for week one. Um, I said this all preseason that OJ Howard's the more talented tight end. And if you're drafting Rob Gronkowski, you're you're just doing yourself a disservice. Um, he even had one play where they ran a tight end screen to Rob Gronkowski, and he couldn't even get open on a screenplay. Uh, he, he looks. There, I don't know if those if, if this is the same player talking about, but there was a play where he caught like a like a screen and bit and got like cut down by the first guy like right away, and it was like, whoa, I'm not used to seeing Gronk go down that easy. Well, and that just lends itself to the skinny Gronk argument, you know. <laughs> <laughs> And I really hate to use it, but he's a guy who was physically imposing and he just wasn't physically imposing. And in a game where they needed somebody to step up and be Tom Brady's go-to guy, OJ Howard became that player, not Gronkowski. If you've rostered Gronk, I would consider uh, swapping him out for OJ Howard if you really want to expose that Tampa Bay offense. I don't really know if he's worth the roster spot at this point. I know that's a bit of an overreaction, but three targets and two receptions and 11 receiving yards is not the stat line you want. You at least want a tight end who gets volume, and he's really missing all the factors you look for in a, in a startable tight end. I don't know. What are your thoughts there? Well, the real football sense where he looked pretty good to me was um, run blocking. He still got it there. He looked pretty good um, blocking on a lot of the runs. But I guess what I would say is if you drafted Gronk, there's probably a pretty good chance you drafted a second tight end. So I think you can, unless you are in like a roster crunch already, which not impossible at this point, depending on league rules and who you have on your team. If you're in a crunch, then yeah, you probably can't hold two tight ends. If you can hold two tight ends, I'm still holding on to him because if I drafted Gronk, 
I'm not expecting him to be a monster out of the gate. I'm hoping that he looks like kind of his old self in you know four or five weeks. So I think the jury is still out. I think we have to be patient before we label him a bust. But yeah, I I do agree with you that if you you should not be starting him. Number one, number two, unless you can roster two tight ends, if you need if you need somebody else, like if you need the drop. Um, him to pick up Naheem Hines to to play for an injured Miles Sanders or Le'Veon Bell or you know any of those guys, James Conner. You might be in a situation where you have to drop him. Yeah, I will say if you're looking for positives around the Gronk situation, uh, the Panthers gave up the fifth most points at tight end position last week when they played the Los Angeles or the Las Vegas Raiders. Uh, so there is opportunity there. If I were to project which tight end does better in that game, I think that. OJ Howard might have established himself as the starter above Gronk just in the the quality of play he showed, at least in the past game, which is where you care about Mm -hmm. your fantasy tight end points. Uh, But I don't have much else to say on that. I just really, I don't believe that Gronk is what he used to be. I don't believe he's going to have enough good weeks. Uh, the, The involvement that everybody was hoping for was that he was a guy who would get red zone targets. He didn't get a single red zone target. OJ Howard was in the red zone packages over him. So it's just a litany of concerns that I would be concerned about. He, I mean, he got two tight end screens, which is, that's really all you, you, they tried to involve him early and he just wasn't doing an effective way of it. And that's looked like OJ Howard usurped him after that in the game. Well, I guess the last thing I would say is that the Saints are a really good defense. And the, so the Bucks just kind of were out of sorts for a lot of that game anyway, as a whole. So I think you've got to be careful overreacting too much to really anything. Um, Buccaneers relayed after week one. I know there's probably going to be some Tom Brady's washed. Tom Brady didn't look good. I think Tom Brady looked fine. There was the the obviously terrible decision and throw on the pick six. And then I don't know if it was his fault or Mike Evans' fault on the first interception. And then everybody knows the two-point conversion where he threw it about 50 feet over whoever that was he was throwing to in the end zone. So I, I guess what I'm trying to say is I'd be careful about getting too carried away with the Bucks in week one because even though there's no crowds, playing the Saints in New Orleans um, is never easy. Even if there's no crowd, you have to travel for week one. You've got all the different traveling precautions you probably have to deal with with coronavirus. And again, the Saints are just a really good defense. Yeah. Uh, and my overreaction really just lends itself to I didn't like the involvement I saw. Uh, but at the end of the day, it is a game against a great defense. Uh, Tom Brady's going to get better. I That is one player I would not overreact to just yet. I think Tom Brady's going to get better as the year goes on. Mm-hmm. Uh, and his playmakers will get the same involvement. But Evan, who's your next guy? I think I know who this is. Is he a certain Brown player? No, I, I was going to say take a guess, but, I, but you're gonna, you were guessing Odell Beckham? I was guessing Odell Beckham. He is an honorable mention of mine. Not Odell Beckham. Um, that, again, just feels like low-hanging fruit fruit because <laughs> the Browns look terrible and I obviously think thought Odell and still think Odell can be really good this year um they were playing the Ravens so I tried to stick um to not talking about them too much because the Ravens are really good and you would hope it looks better than that for the Browns I want to see them again to before I make too many um decisions on on those guys but no I'm going the other side of the ball Actually, uh, the Ravens. Uh, Dalton, you're going to like this one. Uh, Mark Ingram is is my second stock down guy. Um, it's too soon. Uh, sorry, Johnny. I see the head going to the keyboard there. 
You okay? No. <laughs> I'm, I was unwell after just seeing how many carries Mark Ingram had and just J.K. Dobbins getting the touchdown and it not being Ingram. Just Two touchdowns. Multiple, okay. That hurts more. <laughs> but just seeing Mark Ingram just not get in the end zone or not even get as many touches in the red zone just hurt a little bit just knowing that like that one might have been right. But it's week one. Plenty of time. Yeah, so – what I'll say is it's it's definitely too soon to be completely flipping out. Like, I don't think anybody watched that game and was like, oh, like Mark Ingram looks like terrible. He doesn't look at all like what he did last year. It's, it's still way too early. But what you don't like is that it was pretty close to a, to a 50-50 split. I mean, 10 to 7 in favor of Mark Ingram. But Dobbins got pretty much all the goal line work, like Johnny kind of mentioned that. Um Obviously, we're watching on red zone, so we don't get to see these whole games. We're seeing highlights. But I went and looked at the play log, and it wasn't like Dobbins was just getting his touches in garbage time. Like, obviously, they won 38 to 6. So I thought maybe Dobbins got like, you know, three or four touches when it was out of hand and Ingram wasn't playing anymore. Like, both those guys were pretty much playing the entire game, and it was pretty much even um, throughout. Ingram got the first two drives. The third drive ended in a fumble pretty quickly. Um, the Lamar fumble. The fourth drive, 10 plays, 99 yards, and a touchdown. That was 3-1 to one in, in favor of Dobbins. So at this point, this is kind of looking like it could be a split right now. And I don't think I would have thought that before the season. I, I was in the camp that I think it's going to take an Ingram injury for Dobbins to get really involved. And like at best, we're thinking you know, the Gus Edwards role, right? Like It was not a 50-50 split for Edwards and Ingram last year. And Dobbins looked good. I mean, obviously, it was limited care, limited work, um, 7 for 22. So, like, nothing crazy. But he just he passes the eye test when you watch him play and when you watch him run, I think. Dalton, um, I know you're probably going to be happy about this and pr- probably agree, but what do you have to say about these two guys? Well, I actually had Mark Ingram down as an on-bolt mention. I didn't want to beat the horn too early. He was a guy <laughs> I had mentioned as a bust. Um, first and foremost, uh, just to kind of – push back a little bit for anybody like Jotty who's sitting listening to this pod and a little concerned. The the Browns have a very good rush defense and they mm-hmm. really bottled up that entire offense. Uh, so don't just look at Mark Ingram's stat line and think it's over with and try to panic sell him just sure. Uh, I will say it is concerning that J.K. Dobbins was very clearly the goal line back. Uh, he had all he had 75% of the red zone carries. He also was the guy who ran more routes. He ran more routes to Mark Ingram. Mark Ingram's never really been a receiving back as is, but you're really getting a guy who has more value in a good rushing offense. Uh, At the same time, that offensive line doesn't, without Marshall Yonda, doesn't look as good as it was. They weren't able to bully the Browns in the trenches like years before. Mm -hmm. So now you're looking at a guy who needs to be more explosive. And out of the two, J.K. Dobbins had one explosive run graded by Pro Football Focus. Mark Ingram had zero. Um, And that was the third quarter run by J.K. Dobbins where he actually got touched behind the line of scrimmage and ended up gaining 12 yards. So at the end of the day, J.K. Dobbins looked better. Um, Mark Ingram wasn't getting the value he needed. You know, last year, I think it was only about 50% of the snaps he was on, but the touchdowns really are what vaulted him into the top 12 uh, fantasy range. Mm -hmm. So I would be concerned about Mark Ingram. I do just want to give a little shout out to whoever that intern was that put J.K. Dobbins as fourth on the depth chart because it (laughs) let him drop in a few drafts and I was able to nab him up. So that is always good. Um, But yeah, Gus Smith definitely looks like the three and Justice Hill was on special teams. So he is the four. Um, But if you draft Uh, J.K. I don't know who Gus Smith is, but Gus Edwards was definitely involved. 
Uh, I was thinking, I was combining Ernie Smith and Gus Edwards there. <laughs> um, yeah, but I think that's another good one. Uh, Mark Ingram, in general, you know, it's his 31 year old season, and they probably don't even want to overuse him at this point. And he was in a 50 50 split with a rookie who was one of the best running back prospects to come out of this draft. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and when I when I say I'm a little bit concerned, I'm not concerned right now that like Ingram is going to get usurped but what i am concerned with is if this is a 50 50 split it's probably these guys are both fifth round picks maybe instead of ingram going in the fourth and dobbins in the sixth so a slight decrease for ingram and a slight increase for dobbins right now but what i would also say to kind of play devil's advocate to my own argument is yeah dobbins was the goal line back this week but this game was never really close never really in doubt We'll see who they trust in the games where it actually matters if the guy fumbles or messes up Um, because they could very easily go back to Ingram um, when the games are close. Yeah, and we probably won't get to see that until week three. Um, Next week, if you're a J.K. Dobbins owner or a Mark Ingram owner, you're kind of licking your lips at the, the, the matchup against the Houston Texans who got run all over the field by the Kansas City Chiefs. Mm-hmm. Uh and it's it's another game where I really don't think uh, the the Ravens are ever going to be in a situation where they need to utilize uh, their main back. They're probably going to lead pretty well. I will say, uh, in a game where Lamar Jackson had to pass more than he has before, he was twenty to twenty five and looked pretty good in the passing game. Uh, it is good to see a guy like him, perennial MVP candidate year in year out, really get it done with his arm instead of his legs this game. Yeah, he, he had a couple of great passes uh, to, to Hollywood. He had a couple to Mark Andrews that an- that were not very good, that Andrews made great catches on, but some also very good deep balls to, to Hollywood. And that kind of transitions me right into an honorable mention. Hollywood Brown was an honorable mention for me. I thought he looked really good. He looked more like a complete receiver than last year. There was more short stuff, curl routes, underneath stuff, and also the deep ball was obviously still there. Um, Robbie Anderson, it was kind of the same thing. He was used more than I thought. My eyebrow is kind of raised when it comes to DJ Moore. Like I'm a little concerned about him and what that pecking order might be because he didn't seem like the clear one like we thought. Darius Slayton is is my is my last guy, I think, on this list, and kind of the same as Hollywood. Like we know you can do the deep stuff, but he looked good running all the other stuff last night, too, I thought. Yeah, um, I will say great point. Uh, talking about Hollywood Brown, we're both big on him, and he looked all he needed to be. My honorable mentions, uh, Russell Wilson. This is low-hanging fruit, but God, they let him cook for four quarters, <laughs> and it was beautiful to watch. Um, the Chris Carson stat line might be a little <laughs> deceiving. He's actually a stock-down honorable mention. If you're just scoreboard watching, you might feel okay, but he only had six carries. Uh, another guy, Big Ben feel absolutely great for the guy he looked healthy he even had a vintage big ben play where he got up limping and just played through it uh he had to make- say, which vintage big ben play when he got up limping in the first quarter or when he held the ball for five seconds in the pocket in the fourth quarter and tried to evade the sack by sucking in his belly and got his jersey grabbed or when he was falling backwards and threw a touchdown pass to uh, <laughs> Uh, it's good to see he looks just like himself which is good uh he had some connection issues with receivers but i think that Steelers offense is going to be all right and then my other uh stock up derrick henry actually saw a career high in targets which was six highest he's ever seen uh him and josh jacobs might be two guys who catch more balls than i anticipated Um, he did 
he saw the targets, but like actually watching him catch the ball was a little painful. It was, um, but with Darrington Evans, a healthy scratch, and the rest of the their running backs not being there, it's just a little more value to a guy who gets 25 touches a game. And then my stock down, Hayden Hurst, I mean, that guy is third in the fourth in the pecking order behind Russell Gates in a game where Matt Ryan threw the ball almost 50 times. Uh, Hayden Hurst barely saw any value. He's not getting the Hooper role. I would be very concerned if I drafted him a little earlier like some people did. Uh, I probably wouldn't even want to start him next week just with a game where they had to throw so much and he just didn't see the involvement he needed. I don't yeah, know. If I, I, I'm kind of in the same I'm kind of in the same camp as I was before the season and that I'm not big on Hurst, but that might like maybe you're not starting him now. You can drop him if you have him, but it wouldn't surprise me if like in week nine we're like, oh, okay, Hayden Hurst, like you can stream him. Like he he looks like he's a part of this offense now. Yeah, um, that's probably something uh, as an owner I wouldn't want to wait on with the tight end market right now, mm-hmm. but he is definitely somebody I could see streaming later in the year. Uh, mm-hmm. But Russell Gage looked a little interesting if you are in a deeper league. He didn't make the waiver wire claims, but it got, I mean, Calvin Ridley, Julio Jones, and Russell Gage all had a 23% target share in that offense, and it's Matt Ryan who's a productive quarterback. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, Russell Gage, he did look pretty good. If I was competent at all at setting the rest of my – DraftKings lineup for that game, he might have won me some money, but um, Julio Jones at the captain spot did not exactly get it done. Yeah, if you listen to our DraftKings setup, <laughs> uh, I apologize to you. You lost some money. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah I, <laughs> I didn't fare well either. But don't worry, we will be tweeting out a new set this weekend, so just watch for that. We learned some lessons. Well, I mean, all you have to do is do, if you pay attention to us and do the opposite, you will probably win money in DraftKings. That you would have won money if yeah, if you would have stacked the Carolina Raiders game like we said to with all the players we didn't mention, you would have made some money. Well, guess what? I did stack the Panthers game, but it was DJ Moore and Teddy Bridgewater. I had McCaffrey too, but it's like, oh, maybe he should have picked up Robbie Anderson. Maybe Darren Waller. Maybe freaking Nelson Aguilar outscored DJ Moore. Are you kidding me? Yeah, well, I had Brian Edwards. Target. Yeah, it was miserable. Um, so we picked the right game other than the higher scoring uh, <laughs> Seattle, Seattle Falcons game. We just didn't pick the right players. So process is there. Process is <laughs> there. There you go. There you go. All right. Speaking of streamers, I think that's the next thing to get into here. Um, a quick QB and, and defense streamer, and then we'll end it with the start of the week this week. Dalton, who who's the QB you're streaming this week? If you don't have one of those top 12 guys that you feel good about. It's streaming the guy who tried to juke out three defenders by spending in circles against the Arizona Cardinals, <laughs> Jimmy Garoppolo. Me too. We have the same one. Oh, he plays the New York Jets who allowed Josh Allen a career high 312 passing yards. Uh, it, they were so bad defensively that the uh, the Bucks had the highest neutral pass percentage in the NFL because they were just capitalizing on what is a incredibly bad pass defense and an incredibly good rush defense. Both Devin Singletary and Zach Moss had horrible rushing days. Uh, Zach Moss had a touchdown, but Devin Singletary was more efficient. So if I get the opportunity, if I were to stream somebody, it would be Jimmy Garoppolo. He also might be getting Brandon Ayuk back. and hopefully It sounds like he will. Um, I actually looked up right before the pod, and um, Shanahan pretty much said it would be a surprise if uh, Ayuk wasn't playing this week. If Kittle plays, you feel a lot better about it as well. They bring in Mohamed Sanu, so at least a warm body at receiver who maybe 
they can trust a little bit more so Kittle isn't getting like double teamed if he's playing like he was last week. But I'm with you there. It's a good matchup. Feels like a classic bounce back week for the Niners after a not very good performance in week one. Yeah. Uh, and I don't have much else to say on that one, but if you have Carson Wentz, I would drop him for Jimmy Garoppolo, who is going to get his weapons back and hopefully returns to some better form than he did last week. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, no, no, nothing more to really add there. On the defensive side, just real quick, I've got the Rams. Uh, they play at the Eagles this week. We, you talked about the offensive line issues, and you look at what Washington did to that defensive line or to that offensive line last week. Now you look at Aaron Donald coming to town. Um, what you want in a fantasy defense is quarterback hurries, quarterback sacks, all that. That's how you get turnovers, fumbles, interceptions, all that pressure on the quarterback. I cannot believe that you and I have the same streamers <laughs> because mine is the LA Rams defense. Uh, I also had an HM defense. I'll get, I'll, I'll say them after you talk. Um, well, I mean, they bullied a good defense or offensive line in the Cowboys and were able to pressure Dak, who is a mobile quarterback. They are now going against a less mobile quarterback behind a worse line. Aaron Donald very well could have four sacks this game. Um, I, I mean, they're going to eat. And then Jalen Ramsey gets the matchup against the 38-year-old Deshaun Jackson, rookie Jalen uh, Rieger, Greg Ward, whoever he he's matched up against, he's going to bully them. And he's going to have some great uh, DPI calls too, or OPI calls, I apologize. <laughs> the the next defense that, that I had down as just a, as a maybe is the Buccaneers. They play um, the Panthers this week. So obviously a downgrade and they are definitely owned in your league downgrade from week one they play at the saints so they're definitely unowned i should say in your league um because nobody was playing them uh against new orleans and i don't think it's as good of a matchup uh or as good of a defense as rams playing at eagles but i do think that's a good defense i mccaffrey's good but i don't have faith that that offense overall is is good so that would be another one i'm looking to and then if you're really desperate um, I can tell you for a fact the Cleveland Browns are out there and they play the Bengals on Thursday night. So just another one to consider. Uh, my honorable mention is the Kansas City Chiefs. They had the highest pressure rate in the NFL last week, which was like 55.6%. They're going up against the Chargers who could not you, get it. Can you admit Tyrod Taylor's bad, please? He's so bad. I am not fully ready to admit he's bad. I will say he did not look good. Um, <laughs> but it, it, I think Kansas City takes care of business pretty quickly against the Chargers. Uh, I think that if Willie Gay gets to play a linebacker, the Kansas City Chiefs defense might be really exciting with him playing linebacker. He had zero snaps on Thursday, though, so that's probably not going to happen. But Chris you- Jones is going to murder Tyron Taylor uh, on Sunday. Did you see all those great catches that Mike Williams made? All those acrobatic catches week one? You mean the fact that Mike Williams had to jump five yards ahead of himself to catch a ball? Every pass was five yards away from him. He'd run like a three-yard slant. Like, oh, God, he's like contorting his body 10 feet in the air to catch that ball. That's that's why he has such a large catch radius. Uh, He wasn't in it, but Keenan Allen also, I feel bad for him. Uh, Just got paid to get thrown to. Uh, But Justin Herbert might be just as bad, so who knows? Yeah. Anyway, we'll, we will end really quickly with our start of the week. Uh, Dalton, I will cede the floor to you. Have at it. Who's your star of the week this week? 
the New York Giants didn't do a good job defending Juju out of the slot. They take on Anthony Miller, who had an absolutely monstrous game against the Lions. Uh, Allen Robinson deleted all of his Bears social media. I'm not saying he's not playing, <laughs> but the, if, if Allen Robinson doesn't play, Anthony Miller could get 15 targets, and he was – Everything that Evan talked him up to be earlier in the preseason, he was the fourth highest graded wide receiver by PFF. Uh, and the Giants defense doesn't look that dangerous in the secondary. So I think that he's in line for another big game. And Mitch seems to trust him. Yeah, to say that the Giants defense is not that dangerous is saying that really, really nicely. They are bad. They are not a very good defense. Yeah, I agree with you. Anthony Miller was an intriguing guy before the season, and if he's out there in your league, if you're desperate, he's not a bad pickup for sure. I went with a little bit of a higher-ranked guy in Ronald Jones uh, just because it it feels good to say, right? Like Ronald Jones was like like a low 30s, like 30, 35 guy uh, rankings-wise going into week one. I think if we were doing rankings this week, which we're not, but if we were, I would have Ronald Jones a lot closer to 20 um, this week. And again, obviously Josh Jacobs is a different beast, much better than this guy, but Josh Jacobs just absolutely torched that defense. We thought Carolina on paper looked bad on defense entering the season. Uh, So far that has, we feel pretty good about that. Like they did not look good last week at all defending the run. Um, and Ronald Jones against one of the best rushing defenses from last year, I thought he looked pretty good. I mean, it wasn't anything like great, but I thought he had a pretty good game. I mean, 17 for 66, a uh, couple receptions for 16 yards. He also had one screen pass. I don't know if you saw this play, but the screen where he had the fall down to catch it. Um, if he doesn't have to fall down to catch that, he may have had a 40 yard touchdown right there. And we feel a lot differently about him than in week one. And also, and this is also just about learn Fournette too. I think he will eventually carve out a bigger role as the weeks go on. He will slowly get more involved. But let's just say I could tell every time it was Fournette and not Ronald Jones that had the ball. That guy is big and slow. Ronald Jones at least is a little bit explosive. And you feel like that maybe um the Bucks, I almost said the Patriots. The Bucks, um, they seem like they want to establish the run a little bit. It kind of seemed like the Tom Brady, okay, we're, we're going to run the ball 17 to 20 times this game. Fournette had less than 10 snaps last game. That probably goes up. I still love Ronald Jones in a plus matchup this week. Yeah, well, I mean, Fournette looked bad, was outsnapped by LaShawn McCoy, and overall, Rojo looked to be the top dog in that offense. Carolina Panthers are incredibly bad. Uh I don't think they have anybody up front who's going to beat the offensive line of the the Bucks, who was better against a really talented front four mm-hmm. for the New Orleans Saints. So overall, I would agree with that. If you have him and you were a little worried about starting him last week, I think he's in a pretty good spot to yep. smash this week. Ha- hand up on that one. That's me. <laughs> That's Evan for you. Yeah, but I agree with that one too. I think we're both in agreement. Yep, absolutely. Dalton, unless you've got anything else to add, I think that'll close us out. Um, that's all I have. Uh, all aboard the CEH train. If he's available <laughs> in your league for a trade, he's available. Oh, for a trade. <laughs> okay. Okay. Well, that is going to do it for episode 13 of the Half Point Per Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Half Point Per Pod. We will have another live stream, the weekly live streams on Sunday morning, um, where you can ask us start sit questions. We'll discuss lineup decisions, uh, injuries. We obviously know a lot more about who's playing and who's not at that point because that's like a half hour before the noon games than than now so if you find yourself on twitter you're looking for lineup advice from 
fantasy experts. Come over the uh, Half Point for Podcast because we will actually respond to you because we have a much smaller audience than all those guys. So, yeah, other, otherwise, we will see you again next week, talk about week two. And heading into week three, you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, listen to us on Spotify, and let's hope for a good week too, guys. Hope you choke on a Lego. That's just stupid. Choke on a Lego? Is that something you've like, messed with before? When I was a kid, I would chew on them and I choked on one one time. <laughs>